It's a spooky night. You open your Instagram profile, you check your latest posts, and nobody's liking your photos anymore. This isn't just a spooky Halloween story, even though that's coincidentally what it sounds like. But how do you go about navigating a drop in engagement? Should you rebrand yourself or should you start all over again? All right, so your music artist was planned to take over the world, huh? Yeah, duh. That's why I'm here. Well, you've come to the right place. Let's go! Welcome to the I Am Northbound Podcast. Podcast. Your guide to dominating the new music industry. What is up, y'all? And welcome to episode number 31 of I Am Northbound. Boy, do I have a special episode for you today. I was going to release this episode next week and put another episode out today. I had one planned for today. But I thought, why not switch things up a bit? Why not change it around? That's exactly what we're doing. I'm bringing out next week's episode today. But for you, it's this week's episode today. It doesn't make any sense, but it makes perfect sense in my mind. And that is the story of my life. Why is this so different? Well, I can tell you. This is the first episode that I've ever done in the history of I Am Northbound in which I've had a guest on. This is the first guest episode. Who is the guest? Well, her name is Monica Strutt and she's from Melbourne, Australia. She's in a very similar space to what I'm doing, but she does it in her own way, which is super cool. And she's way better at things uh, that I'm not good at. So she's very much worth listening to. So she's a music marketing consultant specifically for heavy bands, but she also works with other bands too. And her advice works for regardless of whatever genre you are. Uh, it's it, She's got a ton of value to add. Uh, she's worked in PR her whole life as well. Uh, also stuff like, uh, you know, she works with heavy band. She's in a heavy band herself. Crazy. So she's got a lot of cool stories to tell. The half an hour just absolutely flew by. So I feel like we're going to have to get her on more episodes in the future. What do you think? Well, you can tell me what you think after you hear the episode. Uh, we talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Honestly, it's not even worth me telling you in a little <laughs> a little uh, preview here because we just chatted about a whole bunch of things. We answered an audience submitted question that wasn't exactly just one question. It actually had like a whole bunch of things within it. So <laughs> there's a ton of cool stuff in here about how to go about rebuilding your profile when you notice that your likes have dropped recently because of the new Instagram update. How do you rebrand yourself? Should you rebrand yourself from scratch and start all over again? We talked about a whole bunch of cool stuff. There's no point in me even telling you this in the preview because we should just get straight into it. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Hope you're liking this new format of I Am North Bama. We're switching things up, keeping it fresh and exciting. Let me know what you think. The feedback I got was good. So it's kind of one of those speak now or forever hold your peace if you don't like it. Um, but let me know. <laughs> let me know so we can keep moving forward with this structure. And let me know what you think about having guests on. I really like doing it. I like doing guests every now and then. Should it be every week? Should I get a co-host or should I uh, do some solo episodes? Or should it just be uh, an every now and then thing? But once you hit today's episode, you'll be able to make your mind up because I'm sure you're going to get a ton of value out of this one. So this is the first time we've ever had a guest on this show, which is super cool. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Monica. Thank you so much for joining us today. What's up? My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So Monica's in a similar space to what I'm doing, which is why I think that uh, you know what she has to say is incredibly relevant to you guys. Um, bit about what you do, right? How would you explain yourself to someone who you know wants to know exactly what you're all about? Yeah, sure. So I'm a marketing and strategy consultant, mainly for heavy bands, um, but really any band. Uh, I have been a music journalist for the past six years, and I'm also a metal vocalist in my own band and have been playing in bands for many years. So yeah, it's kind of led me to where I am now doing consulting. And I've also got some online courses and whatnot too. There's, it's like every single thing you mention then gets like, it has its own degree of coolness. And I think that that's what is super interesting. I always say that with, um, you know, 
any music artist should find their niche and the further you get into a niche i think when people aren't inside one at the moment they seem to think that uh the more refined you get the more you isolate people and it's actually not the case at all it's like the cooler you get and um it's like the more interesting you get as well because like specifically you helping music artists is great but helping heavy music artists like people would think oh that would isolate you know uh, you know other music artists out of the question but if anything you become a bigger magnet for those that you can help like heavy music artists would choose 100 if it was between like to work with uh you know someone who helps everyone versus someone who helps heavy music artists they're going to go to the specialist you know so do you yeah. find that you have uh other music artists coming to you as well or do you find that you're more just a magnet for heavy bands? Yeah. So I've um, specifically kind of designed my branding and everything to, I guess, draw in my ideal client, which is heavy bands. So rock metal, I mean, even pop punk, just anything in that sort of rock metal sort of genre and beyond. Um, I've definitely had other people contact me. Like I've had a jazz artist contact me. I've had a few hip hop artists contact me and um, they've, they haven't ended up work like working with me, but um I mean, the thing is with uh, social media and with marketing and stuff, I mean, it is the same. I mean, the algorithms don't change in terms of what yeah, genre you right. are, but um, I do believe that the approaches to how to get more exposure as an up and coming artist are slightly different when you're in a heavy band, as opposed to say a hip hop artist or a pop singer or something like that. And just for me personally, um, the connections that I have and the experience that I have is all within the heavy scene. So I'm not going to pretend to be able to, uh, you know, help hip hop artists or anything like that, because I personally am not a hip hop artist and um, I haven't had as much exposure to that scene. So I really niche down and also I just love heavy music so much and I'm just so passionate about the whole, that whole genre. So, um, and yeah, of course I want to be super into uh, the music of any clients that I work with. So that's another reason. That 100% helps. I can vouch for that, especially when, for even from running a recording studio, if I believe in the music that is being recorded, it's just like it, the passion feels it so much more and the product ends up coming out so much better. Uh, it's the same thing with marketing and that if you believe in the person you're working with, I think that's really good. And I think that's a, a sign of high integrity to do that because I do know some other people not naming names but in this space that will take anyone on just to make money but i feel like if you pick, pick and choose the people you work with to make sure you can provide value that's when you're actually going to start building actual results for people which is really cool so what do you think are challenges that are, that heavy bands face that are kind of individual to the music industry versus someone who isn't in that genre yeah so i feel like overall the um potential like fans that you can reach is a lot less i feel like the heavier genres aren't mainstream. And so, uh, it's really a focus on getting a few really, really hardcore fans as opposed, as opposed to getting mass exposure. Um, and just with like festivals, there's different opportunities in terms of how to actually build a fan base, how to grow a certain milestones that heavy bands sort of have to check off their list. Um, when it comes to growth uh, that other artists in other genres may not have. Right. A lot of what I talk to clients about is positioning. So getting yourself kind of positioned in amongst a couple of other local bands, like, you know, in, within the scene um, to kind of position yourself and you'll reach potential fans that way. And there's a lot of um, 
I don't know, there's a lot of ways you can kind of, I don't know, it's more, it's also about winning over those other bands in your niche or in your scene um, just as much as the fans because then everyone kind of lifts each other up because you're absolutely right. The community aspect of the heavy music scene is absolutely massive. So that's definitely a core part of um, the strategy, I would say. Yeah, I think that um, it's really interesting. I, I, what you just said then is co- like really correct because I remember when I first got my first show ever, it was because we were able to uh, not network but fit in between bands that were already playing and that was our way into the industry. Uh, it's the same thing with if you're a band looking at more so uh, like if you've been around for a while, I feel like you, you, it's really easy to continue to you know, keep playing shows and tour and that kind of thing. If you find a sister band or whatever, I, I don't really know what it's called, but we used to call it a sister band. It's like you normally find that you tour a lot with the same artist and they yeah. tour a lot with you as well. So if you can partner with a band that is very similar to you or at least network really close to them, chances are you don't have to introduce yourself out of nowhere. You're probably playing with them here and there now already. But if you can do that and then book tours off the back of each other, then that's how you can keep momentum flowing with an artist. And I think that's advice that's kind of universal. Yeah. Like if you find an artist that compliments you and you compliment them without being the same sound, then you're kind of in it together. Yeah. And it's almost like just bringing it back to marketing terms. It's almost like a social proof. So if fans of one band see that that band is, you know, kind of building another artist up or another band up, then their fans are going to have that social proof. And, you know, that band who's, you know, being supported is going to look kind of like they're buzzing and um, yeah, people are going to want to check them out. 100%. That's a really good way of putting it. So anyway, I guarantee that, I mean, I'm probably going to have to get you back on a ton of other episodes because we could talk all day and we have in the past. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, there's an episode coming out one day with uh, me on your show and uh, yeah, I mean, we ended up talking for way longer than we in- anticipated for that one. I think uh, we recorded for like an hour, but we we're talking for like two hours either yeah. side of that. So. <laughs> So that yeah, will be coming out soon, I promise. Yeah, that's so good. I'm just saying that people can look forward to that and I'll put a link into that show when it comes out. I'll tell everyone about it. Um, but also, I'm just saying I've got to get you back on the show because there's a million topics we could talk about. But the question we got submitted today, which is really cool, I really want to hear your opinion on it. Um, a guy messaged me earlier this week and said, uh, normally people would just send through one question and they'll say stuff like, how do I do this? Or how do you suggest that I could go about this? But this is more just like a statement. And I feel like there's so much within it that I feel like there's a lot to pull out from this. But he said, how do you get people reinterested in your content? Like I scroll through my posts and I used to have a lot of people come to my page and now it's like my likes are barely adding up anymore. And I feel like half my followers aren't even real. So how could I rebrand my page and get it to the level I want it to be? So inside this, I've noticed that there's like quite a few things in there. It's noticing a lot, like a lack of engagement or a drop in engagement or a reduction um, on their profile and asking, you know, where that came from or is that normal or how do they go about fixing that? Um, How do you go about um, kind of rebuilding your fan base if you feel like people aren't active? Or thirdly, you know, I feel like this guy's trying to say that he feels like giving up altogether and starting from scratch or rebranding his page and starting all over again. So I feel like if we go through them one by one, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. How would you suggest uh, someone reassess their mindset if they start to notice that their likes have dropped? Because personally, I believe that this isn't a coincidence and a lot of people are going through this. It's because of the latest Instagram change where the algorithm has made it uh, removing likes and the changes they've made on that. People aren't liking as much as they used to and everyone's engagement's dropped. But Mm. what would you suggest to an artist that starts to notice that their reach has been dropping and their uh, interaction and engagement is followed the same suit? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have noticed this myself, not only with my own pages and my own band's pages, but with my clients and um, other accounts as well. Um, so yeah, everyone is experiencing a drop in likes across the board. And as you said, it's because, you know, why would people like a post if they can't actually see who else has liked it or how many yeah. likes it's got? It's kind of not really encouraging that kind of interaction. So um, yeah, everyone is kind of experiencing the same thing. So the move is uh, the, I know we're all kind of moving to, I guess, a time where it's more about quality over quantity. And what I think Instagram and Facebook want to do is encourage more meaningful interactions. And they've openly said this as well. So maybe having a good look at what kinds of posts are getting those interactions and comments and perhaps more likes than other posts and trying to, uh, do more posts in that similar vein, but also thinking about, okay, how can I get people to interact? How can I spark a conversation? Um, It does take a lot of extra thought. And I think that that's why a lot of musicians are kind of getting stuck because we're so used to just putting out posts like, here's my new video, here's my new song. But if we can kind of phrase things in a way that asks a question or that has maybe an opinion on something, or we, you know, maybe go into more depth about the meaning behind a song, then that's going to spark more meaningful engagement than just saying, here's my new track. Yeah. I, I what you just said then I 100% agree with most music artists are putting out content thinking that, uh, like, how do I, I mean, I'll just put my, I'll just tell people. It's almost like it's a one-sided conversation. Like, I'm just letting you know, here's my new song. I'm just letting you know, I've got a tour coming up. Or I'm just letting you know about new merch I've got on for sale. But if you create content with an actual purpose behind it or an intent behind it, like, um, how do I create content that people are going to like? And I feel like people do that more so by default. Like, you want to create content that will get likes. uh, But a lot of people will create content specifically and engineer it to to get likes, if that makes sense. Mm. But- and then you hope that people will comment and then you hope that people will share, uh, you know, and that type of thing. It yeah. changes your whole approach if you start thinking, how do I create content that gets people talking? You don't care about likes anymore because obviously they don't matter. How do I create, like, what can I show that is going to get people wanting to comment? Like, uh, you don't have to, don't think it means something you have to divide your audience on an opinion and start arguments or whatever like that. You don't have to be controversial, but it, it's a different type of post when, you, when you're creating it for people to, to comment versus also how do I get people to share this? They're like totally different things. There, there are books that break down the psychology behind getting people to share. There's a really good one by Jonah Berger called Contagious. Have you read that or do you know about that book? No, I haven't it's heard It's really, that. really good. Yeah, it's super easy to read and he talks about how to get people talking about anything and the seven things that uh, any you know, any business product post, whatever needs to be viral and shareable for people. Uh, there's seven factors. One of the biggest ones I like the most is like essentially just like a social leverage, like to make the person sharing it look either smarter, better, funnier, like than the person who receives it, you know, mm. uh, it's like the person giving the gift looks like the legend, you know, because I, I, I'm in the know, you know, I've always got, got that friend who's like, I knew about that band before you did. I showed you them. It's that exact same thing. Yeah. Um, so if you create content that's built for shareability, or if at least when you're creating your content, be thinking about what your intent is when you're, what you want out of it. I think that's where you're going to see the biggest results. Because if you're trying to create a post that people are going to share, it's going to look so different to a post that you'd create to get comments. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I really like that. I'm going to have to read that book. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I, uh, I'll tell you something. This is just a little life hack. And for anyone listening to something that has completely changed my life recently, uh, you can get it for free on, um, 
like Google Chrome, there's like an extension called Reedy, which is R-E-E-D-Y. And I've got it on my iPad, which is just an app. I can't remember what it's called, but it's um, it, it's it's just another speed reading app. And what you do is you copy paste text into it from like a PDF um, and you just load it in and you can set how fast per minute you want it to read it to you. And it like matrix downloads it into your head. Like it oh, just wow. has a single word on the screen that changes like every so often, depending on how fast you want it to set it to read. And I've got like mountains of books in my office. I just keep buying them and I just don't have the time to read them. But because of these apps, these speed reading apps, you just kind of press play and it just goes and just like shoots the words at you and you take it all in. It, it's it's just magic how it works. But um, these speed reading apps have made it so that I've just smashed through so many books. I read like a book in like two days, which is the fastest I've ever read. And it took me like, you know, an hour to do that. It was crazy. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So you find like eight to 10 minutes here because that's how long a chapter usually goes for. And you can just smash through all these books. So uh, even if you're not a reader, you don't have to actively like sit down and read every word. It just shoots it at you and you just come out smarter the other side. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's so worth doing. If anyone who's looking to get through a whole bunch of books and topics. And I, I keep thinking that all the time. Like, People have said to me like, oh, how do you like you've studied, you know, you study the industry and stuff like it's some magic thing that takes forever. And the same thing with you as well. I find that I get the most return on investment out of reading. Like you pay $20 for a book that is written by someone who knows so much about that topic and you just pick up the stuff that you think is relevant to your specific journey and you get a ton out of it. You know, it's so it's so worth investing yourself in in yourself by buying books, you know? Yeah. Cause like, think about it. If someone is compelled to write a book, it's usually drawing on years and years of experience into this one book that costs, as you said, 20 bucks. So, yeah. I mean, I personally listen to audiobooks because, um, when I'm driving, that's when I tend to have the most free time. I drive right. basically an hour to and from rehearsals. So that's always a good time to uh, get in some audiobooks. but, um, yeah. So I guess find find what works for you, but uh, either way, definitely be investing in some books yourself. Uh, so the second half of this question, I think this is the part I'm really keen to get your opinion on. Um, this guy's talking about potentially rebranding from scratch. So I guess what we've just said then is if you're thinking of starting all over again, probably don't because I don't feel like you're going to get any better um, response or engagement. It's going to take you months and months and months of hard work to build back up to what you had if you were to see that anyway, but I feel like it's probably better to look at providing high quality content, but potentially rebranding. So, so let me just take this question and kind of switch it a little bit because I understand what this person's asking. And I feel like we're going to answer that anyway, as part of this, but how would you suggest a band goes about rebranding in general, like for an album launch or anything like that? If someone was coming to you and you looked at their profile and you saw that it was uh, low quality content and you really wanted to create a cohesive brand image for an upcoming release, how would you suggest they go about first implementing that? Yeah, I love a good band rebrand. It's probably my favorite thing to do with my clients. So um, I would definitely just sit back and let you answer this one. Then (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of different elements to it. Um, First off, you can't, in my opinion, you probably can't do a rebrand straight after a release. So you've got to have sort of like a distance, maybe like a few months, six months or something like that between your last release in order to kind of effectively do a rebrand, maybe not six months, maybe you can cut that down, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Don't release an EP. Then two weeks later, you've completely rebranded and come out with a new song. And yeah, Yeah. exactly. So just keep that in mind. Um, But if you haven't released anything in a while, then this is a really good time to kind of 
uh, reassess and kind of think about the direction analytically where you want to go. Like what outcomes do you want for your music? Because, um, and I met up with a producer friend yesterday and we were talking about uh, bands sitting down and actually deciding, okay, what do you want from music in terms of, do you want to be played on radio? Because what a lot of people don't realize is before you go into the recording studio or as part of the recording process, um, your songs are going to change and how much you want to kind of fit in with a certain demographic is going to influence how the sound comes out. I know a lot of people will say, oh, that's selling out art is art. But at the end of the day, it really just depends on (laughs) what your goals are. Yeah, right. So with the rebrand, first of all, going dark for a little while, um, timing it. And you obviously will need to think about, okay, what you know, when you're recording your music, okay, what demographic are you going for? What are your outcomes and goals? And then creating visuals to kind of not only fit with the song and hopefully fit who you truly are as an artist, um, but also reflecting where you want to go as a band. So new video, like new video, new uh, photos, like maybe record with like a new producer or something who's going to give you like a little bit of an edge. When picking a producer, I'd recommend going with someone who is kind of working with bands that are slightly in front of you and seem to be kicking some massive goals. Um, but yeah, like the photos and the videos should be cohesive. You might want to get a new logo. I like, um, also there's a lot of bands that have like completely wiped their social media, like not deleted their account, but just removed all the photos from Instagram, for example, or at least curated them quite heavily. Like bring me the horizon would be a band that has done that in the past before they released one, um, ammo, they removed all the Instagram photos. And, uh, when they came out with ammo, they had completely different branding. It almost kind of looked like this nineties, like VHS kind of vibe to it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's so many different elements to a rebrand, but I think it's so, so exciting if you're considering doing a rebrand because it really gives you the space to actually plan things properly because I think a lot of the time bands kind of just want to get their music out there and they kind of rush the process and don't really think through, okay, does the band photos actually, do we look the same band in the band photos as what is portrayed in the video clip? Like having a nice cohesiveness is so important. Absolutely. I think that's, that's a really good way of thinking about it. Because too many bands are just going into rebrands kind of blindly and I feel like they just do it because they think it's cool, but they ha- there's no intent behind it. Yeah. And I feel like it's all about being creative and a brand overhaul allows you to be creative outside of your music. And um, I think one of the most successful when you look at the results um, rebrands ever was uh, Taylor Swift when she did Reputation or whatever that album was. I can't remember. But you're yeah. right. She completely deleted everything off her Instagram and because she wanted to com- like change everyone's opinion on who she was as Taylor Swift and she put, out, like, put in those images of the snake striking at the camera, which mm. is like the perfect way to pre-frame her audience to think that her new album was fierce. And for her new album, she did the same thing. There's a clear divide in her feed where she changed to her new branding, which is all about like the really bubblegum colors and the bright pinks and the bright blues and the very dreamlike sequence for her new brand. She wants to make a clear division between her albums so people don't consider them to be just like her old music, which is like a crazy psychological, uh, it's not a trick, but like there's intent behind it. You know, you can't just, you can't fluke that. Well, yeah. I mean, most of, most people are consuming music through streaming nowadays. So we don't have that physical uh, CD or, I mean, 
obviously record sales are going really well, but um, generally we don't have that physical CD that we're uh, flicking through. And so having your social media as kind of the visual accompaniment to your music is so important. Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's completely correct. I also think that bands and artists need to understand that your, because it is your visual representation, your branding needs to affect your listeners the same way your music does. Yeah. There needs to be that cohesion between the two. It doesn't need to be what they expect. Like there's a, there's a thing in psychology called cognitive fluency, which is where like playing to what people expect in their, in, you know, when they see something, you can be a metal band, but all your images could be of like really pretty vast landscapes if that's what you want to do. But it will take, you know, the further it goes against people's expectations, the more work you have to do to make them connect the two. But if you can make your visuals affect your listener the same way your music does, when they see your post in their feed, they build a stronger connection with you almost like they would if they listened to your music as well. So they, that's, it's all about just increasing their connection to you as an artist. So it's like, you don't waste the visual opportunities to do that. And the way that you can make sure you don't waste them is by making sure there's intent behind your branding. Yeah. And it can seem like a lot of work for a lot, a lot of up and coming artists, but, um, to be honest, it's stuff like this and the thought that goes on behind your branding that really separates just another local band playing at the local pub to a band that looks like they're buzzing and is going to be chosen for those support slots, festival exactly. slots and stuff like that. It really makes such a big difference. Like coming from a um, music journalist perspective, I mean, we have to obviously look after the aesthetics of our website and the magazine and whatnot. And so we're more likely to publish a band that has provided really interesting, high quality band photos than maybe a band that has uh, just gotten their friend to take a photo on one Saturday afternoon. So even yeah. if they're the same quality of music, even if, you know, they're both working as hard and posting on social media and stuff, it's those uh, small differences, which really um, make an impact. And allow you to stand out from the crowd hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a really good way of doing it. So yeah, if you're thinking about doing a branding overhaul, as long as it's relevant and you think that it's it's time for one, don't just do it because you heard this episode and went, hey, it sounds like a great idea. Like <laughs> align it because you want it to have impact. You don't want people to think you're forever flipping and changing. Because I guess if you overhaul your branding too often, people don't or won't have the chance to build that connection with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so when the time comes and it's right to do the branding overhaul, you know, consider it because it, it allows you to be super creative outside of your music and do really big things for that. I can't believe it, but we're like heading towards the end of the episode already. That's what I'm saying. We need to get you back on more episodes because we could talk all day about a million topics. It always goes so fast when you have a guest on. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for joining me today. Tell everyone where they can find you for that type of thing. I will say before you even speak that I have uh, done your PR course that you have got out and it is awesome. And uh -huh. anyone out there who is like, if you're looking for how to get into, because that's the thing, I'll admit where my strengths are and where my strengths aren't. And PR is not where my strengths are. I love to learn about it though. And uh, someone like Monica with her experience has created this uh, awesome some course about how to how bands regardless of what genre you are can go about their pr strategies and approaching media and doing big things and yeah that course is super valuable but tell people where they can find that and your other stuff you're bringing out awesome thank you so you can find everything at monicastrut.com including the pr courses there and i also have a free facebook group which is called music marketing and mindset for heavy bands and musicians but honestly the stuff in there is completely relevant to anyone most of the time uh so come and join that and um um, yeah, if you've got any questions at all about your own uh, strategy as a music artist, then you can just drop them in there and myself or the community will get back to you. Yeah, it's definitely a cool group. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out in there too, checking out all the posts. I love how active it is and how people are 
I like the again. It's like the heavy scene band together when they need to, and that's uh that's what I'm liking seeing in there too. Yes, super fun. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hit me up in a message and let me know what you think about formatting with guests. People have said that they really enjoy it. Hope you did. And uh, yeah, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the I Am Northbound podcast. You made it all the way to the end. I hope you loved it. Why not check out another episode? I'm sure you can find one right below wherever you found this one. But before you do, make sure you subscribe. If if you haven't already and it would mean the world to me if you could either leave a rating and a review for this podcast or share it out to your followers that act of kindness goes so much further than you may think it helps me help more music change the world 